Westside family. My name is Eric Johnson, and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys, and enjoy. So open your Bibles and turn to Psalm 139 or open your apps and down, not download, hopefully you already have the Bible app. If you didn't bring your Bible, you can turn to there. Uh, most of my scriptures will be up on the screen today. There's a few I threw in there that won't be that I'm just going to reference. Um, how many of you have ever heard somebody say to you, um, you were fearfully and wonderfully made? A lot of you heard that, right? But how many of you know the context of that scripture? So, so we hear scriptures uh, given to us quite often. But sometimes we don't know the context of that scripture, so therefore we don't understand the totality or the fullness of what that word really means. And so I wanted to bring to you today, um, I think the title of my message I think I gave them was um, A Personal God. You serve a very personal God if you serve our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want for you to understand how personal he is to you this morning. I want for you to understand that you're not just fearfully and wonderfully made, but there's a whole lot that goes along with that. And in order for us to grasp it, we've got to read a good part of Psalm 139. So I'm going to read, and then I'm going to stop, and I'm going to read, and I'm going to stop, okay? So Psalm 139, and I'm reading out of the New King James Version. It says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You have searched me. In other words, you have examined me. You have sought out for me. You have knowledge about me. I'm not just a figure that's in the world but I am someone that you know. You've searched me and you've examined me. You know me. God knows you. Even though David is speaking here, I want for you to insert that as if you're speaking this. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. In other words, he knows your actions. Sitting and uh, down and rising up is an action. He knows every action that you take. You understand my thought afar off. In other words, he understands your internal thoughts. The very things that nobody else knows you're thinking, unless you have one of those faces that everybody's like, I know what you're thinking. Your face says it all. He knows those internal thoughts. He knows the unspoken words that you would like to blubber out, but you don't. He knows the deepest places of you. You comprehend my path and my lying down and are acquainted 
with all my ways. In other words, he understands your plans. He understands your patterns. He knows your ways. He knows the journey that you're on. He knows your busyness, and he knows when you rest. Have you ever had somebody say, now, you know you need to rest, and you're like, oh, I am, but you know you're not? Guess what? He knows if you're resting, and he knows if you're busy. He knows those patterns that you've created in your life, the good ones and the bad ones. He knows all the plans that you have in your brain that you're going to do. He knows it all. For there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it all together. He hears everything you say behind closed doors and in the open. Nothing is unknown about you to him. You have hedged me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. You see, with all his knowledge of all my good and all my bad, of all my failures and all my shortcomings, all my victories and all my defeats, he still chooses to go before me, to be behind me, and to put his hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. This is the description of our God as an omniscient God. This morning, we're going to bring out three omnis. Omni means, does anyone know? All. This omniscient word means he's all-knowing. He has complete or unlimited knowledge, awareness, and understanding of who you are. He knows you better than anybody else. You see, if you met a stranger and they said, have you ever heard of Lorana? You'd say, oh, I know her, right? You know me to a degree. Now, if someone said to my husband, can you tell me a little bit about Lorana? Oh, he could tell you more than a little bit. <laughs> he could give you a scoop that some of them I'm sure I wouldn't want in saying. Don't say that. Don't tell that about me. He knows me better than you know me. But do you know who knows me better than my spouse, better than my mom, better than my children? My creator. He knows me. He understands me. He knows what makes me tick, and he knows all the little things that intricately represent who I am. I serve a personal God that he knows my past, my present, and my future, and he still chose to create me. That is the God you serve this morning. That he knew your past, what your past, he knows what your past is. He knows what your present is. He knows what your future will be. And he still chose to create you. He sees the secret and he sees what's in the open. And he still chose to create you. He is an all-knowing God. And for me, that is very humbling.
See, there's things in here you hide from people. We all do it. We're not just this a complete open book. But nothing is hidden from him. Why do we hide things from people? Perhaps because we don't want them to think less of us. Perhaps because we don't want them to not like us anymore if they found out something that is different than them or that, you know, they don't like that we do. There's people we'd say, oh, well, I'll meet you somewhere, but I wouldn't want you to come in my home because I wouldn't want you to see what my home really looks like. There's things that we keep from people because of a fear of what relationship we might lose or what people might think about us. But we can go before the Father naked. We can go before the Father understanding that he already sees, he already knows, and he still chose to create us because he loves us. We don't have to fear in front of him. Verse 7, where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. As far as from the east to the west, he sees you. We are not hidden from him no matter where we go. See, some people try to hide from God. They don't come to church because they're hiding from God. They say, if I get everything together, then I'll go. You see, he's already with them. He already knows what they're doing. Some people will run from family members who serve God because it's, it's like they represent Jesus to them and they're hiding from them. I don't want you to see. I don't want you to know what I'm doing. There's no place that we can escape God. Have you ever, as a parent, told your kid, now, I may not be going with you, but Jesus is. I might not be in the room, but he's right there. He knows. We kind of say it as a threat, but you know what? It's the truth. He sees everything you do in secret. It is not hidden to him. He is the great father, and we use that with our kids in the natural, but sometimes we forget it ourselves that our heavenly father is like, I might not, you might not think it, but I'm right there with you. You're getting drunk with me in the room. You're getting lit with me in the room. You're having sex with me in the room. I'm right there. There's nothing hidden. How many of us, if we saw him physical form, would be like, Woo! <laughs> I didn't know you were really here. Oh, yeah, he's really there. He really is. Sometimes it's as if we don't really believe that. He sees us. He sees what's in the light and exposed, and he sees what's in the dark secret place. 
We serve a very, very personal God. What is he? He's omnipresent. What does that mean? He's everywhere at the same time, and there's only one person who can do that. That's divine. It's God. So not only is he omniscient, he's all-knowing, but he is also omnipresent. He's everywhere. We can't hide from God. Then this is where we get to the scripture that everybody quotes. But I wanted to lead you up to that because I wanted you to understand that he sought you. He pursued you. He sees your actions. He knows your thoughts. He hears your words. You can't hide from him. And he still created you. And this is the beauty of his creation, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. You see, the personal God we served formed you, created you. That word formed sometimes will be a reference that says knit you together before your mother even knew you existed. From conception, he was working on you. I will praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Despite if you were conceived out of love, out of tragedy, he, our God, fearfully and wonderfully made you. Understand your worth. Know your worth despite whatever has been possibly spoken over you. See, maybe you were told you were a mistake. Maybe you're trying to wrap your brain around how you were conceived because it was through tragedy and not through love. Let me squash the enemy and tell you God formed you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made from the moment of conception. He began working and developing out who you would be. Marvelous are your works that my soul knows very well. I love Ephesians 2.10. This is what our women's conference was last year. This was our, some of you have the sweatshirt for we are his workmanship. In other words, we are his product. Created, in other words, fabricated in Christ Jesus unto good works with which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, you are his workmanship. And you were fearfully and wonderfully created, it says in Ephesians, for good works. When you don't understand your worth, you're going to settle for much less than what God has for you. Let me say that again. When you don't understand your worth, you'll settle for less than what God has for you. 
But when you understand who created you and that he has plan and he has purpose and you understand there's value in who you are, it will begin to change the way you talk, what you do, your thoughts. And this is why the enemy works so hard because he knows who you are. He knows who you belong to. And he knows that you were created to do good. Therefore, he tries to discourage you, to discredit you, and he tries to deceive you. Because the enemy doesn't want you to understand who you are in Christ. And if he can deceive you and tell you, oh, you're not, you're lesser than, you won't be all that you can be in Christ Jesus. If he can discourage you and say, oh, that's not for you. That's for them. You're not that good. If he can tell you, oh, that power that it says that you can have in the name of Jesus was for Bible days. That's not for you today. If he can tell you, you're not holy enough. Look at your past. You're not worthy enough to hold a position in leadership. You're not worthy enough to open your mouth and tell someone about the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not worthy enough because he doesn't want you to see who you are. You are fearfully, wonderfully made. He knew your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. And he still chose to have you come into this earth. He still chose to create you. And it is the enemy who is a liar who tries to come and still kill and destroy the plan that God has for you. But the plan that I read in the word of God says, for you are his workmanship. You are his product. You were created. You were fabricated in Christ Jesus for good works, which God hath before ordained. Before you even came out of your mother's womb, he ordained it that we should walk in them. Why does the enemy come against you? Because he realizes your value. And what's sad is sometimes we don't realize the value that we have or the enemy realizes our value more than we do. Know your worth. Understand who you are. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, it's covered under the blood. And he washes us white as snow and he renews us. And he brings us out. Verse 15 my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me when as yet there were none of them. He created us. We don't bring up a lot of uh, topics sometimes because they just don't come up in the things that we're preaching. It's really hard. I'm just going to give you this little freebie here. It's really hard because you get how many Sundays in a year and how big is this book and how many subjects are in here and how much could we talk about. And we're not a news channel and we can't be like, and this and this and this and speaking of this. 
But sometimes it presents itself, and this morning, can I tell you, this presents itself in the whole abortion issue. Before you ever came out, he was forming and working on you. Can I also say this morning, if you've ever had an abortion, God loves you? Can I say, if you've carried that guilt and that shame, if that's one of those hidden things that you've never told anybody because you were afraid of the way they would think of you or how they would look at you, can I tell you that the devil is a liar and squash it? Because he, he who has done those types of things, um, I wanted to use that scripture, he who cast the first stone, you know what I mean? Like, we've all done things that we're not proud of. We've all made decisions that weren't good at times in our life. Shame on the people who try to look down on someone when they need to look at what's in themselves first. You see, this presents itself this morning. And it's things that we don't always talk about. But I look at both sides. There's a person who feels bad for what they've done and walks a life of shame in a secret that no one will know. God doesn't want you to feel condemned. There is therefore no condemnation in Christ Jesus. We can go before the Father and we can say, I made decisions and I asked for your forgiveness and he forgives us. But see, what the enemy has tried to do is deceive the world. He's tried to deceive us to think that life didn't begin when you were in your mother's womb, but it did. My framework was not hidden from you, Lord. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, there all were written the days fashioned for me. He created us, and it's very humbling to know that our days are numbered. Live them well, understanding you are his creation. Psalms 90.10 talks about this. It says, I'm not going to, well, I will, because I just like to give you what it really says versus me. I'm a terrible um, teller. I don't repeat things well. (laughs) I get it mixed up. Psalm 90.10, the days of our lives are 70 years. How many do we have here that's in their 70s? Man, you're living the days of the Lord. Gave you 70 years. And then it says this, and if by reason of strength they are 80 years. So it says he gives us 70, and if reason by strength, you might get 80 years. How many of you are in your 80s here? Any 80s? I know we have some. Yeah, Yeah, look at Marion. How about... Karen, 90s. I know we got a 90s. Do we have a 90s? Yes, Papa back there. Man, they are living a blessed life because the Lord says the days are 70 if by strength 80. Man, if you get beyond that, thank you, Jesus. Now, I know my mom's not watching this podcast. I'm not going to be here next week because my mom turns 80 next Sunday and I'm surprising her. (laughs) So I'm super excited. I'm going to fly in and fly out just for a quick trip to surprise my mom because I think 80 is a big deal for her. And um, it's very humbling to recognize in the word of God, our days are numbered. Um, 
there's another area of scripture. It says to teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. To teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. See, if you understand your days are short, you're not going to be as foolish. You're going to make better decisions in what you do and how you treat others if you understand you're not promised tomorrow. That we are a precious creation of God can allow us to live more fully embracing him and those he's placed in our lives. I heard a funny little story in a sermon that was a pastor speaking, and he had saw this uh, one of his congregants during COVID in the store, and he said, you know, are, are you afraid? And she said, oh, no. She says, um, I'm not really concerned about dying. She says, when we're all born, he stamped a number on our butt, and we can't go a day before then, and <laughs> we'll go when that comes, and I just can't see it. <laughs> I thought, well, that's a great way to look at it because it is the truth. Our days are numbered. He knows when they are. I might not see it or know when it is, but the days that I've been given, I want to fully live to the greatest extent. Understanding that he fearfully, wonderfully made me with plan and purpose. I am his product. If you don't like it, take it up with him. He fabricated me. You don't like how I look? Take it up with him. Because I'm one of his favorites, I think. (laughs) Isn't that how we all feel? And guess what? He created me to do some good things. And if you don't like it, take it up with him. If you don't like the good things I'm doing, I'm sorry. Maybe you'd feel better if you were doing some good things. (laughs) Where's our confidence in our creator? Where's our confidence in what he's called us to do? I know where it is. The enemy tries to suck it away from us. Because he knows our value. He knows our worth. He knows that, man, if we could get a hold of all that God has for us, what we could do to make a difference in the world. And some of you know that. Some of you are doing that. Some of you are exercising the fullness of how God has created you. It's beautiful. Then it says in 17 and 18, How precious also are your thoughts toward me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I could count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. It is hard to comprehend a God who has the power to form and create, but that God is known as omnipotent, meaning he has all power. He has unlimited power and authority. He is able to do anything. He is omnipotent. And with each new day, he is with us. Isn't there beauty in that? To know that I serve a God who's all-knowing, a God who is everywhere, and a God whose power is limitless. And that he says that he will fill me and he will operate through me. He will use me to bring glory to him with all my faults, with all the things I still need to fix. He'll still use me for his glory. It's beautiful. It is so beautiful. And this morning, I really felt like I needed to give this word to encourage you 
that God loves you. And to begin to walk knowing your worth and understanding that he has a good plan for you and the plan that he has for you will bless others. How many of you have been blessed by the good works of others? Like in a timely season, you're like, thank you, God, for that person because they blessed me. Maybe through their words, maybe through their actions, maybe through something they gave you, they blessed you. And when we bless others, it blesses us, but it extends because then it's an example for them. If someone blesses me, I think, you know, one of the things I think, oh, I want to be better at blessing others. Because this was such a blessing to me, and I want to, in return, do this for others. God's put that in us. Now, I'm not going to read the rest of the psalm, but I do want to just say that if you go on to read it, the gears really shift. And the way that it shifts is the heart of David towards those who do wicked and speak against God. You see, David was on the side of loving God. And understanding that God loved him, created him, was all these things that we talked about. But he also understood there was a group of people, a side of people, who did not love God, who mocked him, spoke against him, who were wicked. Now back then, it was a very different time in history, so the way they responded to those who hated God was different than how we respond today. We have Jesus Christ, who came onto the scene. And he gives us examples of how we are to treat others who oppose God. How many of you know we live in a world full of people who do oppose God? Who don't understand the totality or maybe even anything about the God we serve. And we are called still to respond to them, um, to not love the sin. How many of you guys know we're not to love the sin? We're not to pair up with the ways of the world. We're to separate ourselves. We have to break off some relationships. You can't be friends with someone who's anti-God. We have to break off some relationships, and we have to break off our connections to things that are against God. But yet we are still at the same time called to love, called to be kind, Matthew 5.44 says, But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same. And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Do not even the tax collectors do so. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. So we can look at scriptures in the New Testament to see how we're to come out from the world. We're to be different than the world. But yet we're still to love. That's a message for another day. So that's why I'm not breaking all of that down. When you get to the very end of Psalm one, uh, 139, you get through what he's saying. 
David's letting God know, I don't like those that don't like you and that do evil. But then he turns it back to himself once again. So in the first part we see he acknowledges his creator. He knows who he is. He understands his worth. Then he sees those who don't get it, don't understand, that are living in the world. They're evil. And then he brings it back to himself. And he says, and I don't have this up there. I didn't give this up there. Verse 23, search me, O God. And our worship team can go ahead and come. And know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. See, I can be like that person who has come to hate the gospel if I don't keep my heart right. I can become the evil hatred person if I don't keep my heart right. But David says, search me, O God. Not search Melissa, O God. Not search Yvette, O God. Search me. Look into you and say, search me, O God. And know my heart. Sometimes I've preached a message or led a Bible study or had a one-on-one conversation. And when I reflect my words, I'm like, oh, but I hope they took it the way I meant it. I hope they understood what I meant when I said this because I really was going to add this. And then I got distracted and I didn't add this. And oh, how many of you have ever walked away from a conversation and you second-guessed yourself of the conversation? Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Sometimes man is not going to understand my heart. Sometimes man is going to look at me and think something that's not true. Have you ever went through a rough season and you're like, you know what? When I look back on that rough season, I was a grump. Or I was mean. Or I ignored someone. I was just so focused on what I'm going on that now I realize that person I think was waving at me and I didn't wave back. Search me, oh God. You know my heart. You know if I intended to be evil. <laughs> you know if I intended to ignore someone. You know if, I, if what I said was true or not true. You know, he knows your heart. Aren't you thankful? That's the all-knowing God we serve that knows your very thoughts. Search me, God. Know my heart and try me. And know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. If there's anything. I don't like the word wicked because don't you connect wicked to the devil? So you're like, I'm not wicked. I'm not like the devil. No, you may have some wicked ways. That you need God to cleanse. If you're a gossiper, that's wicked. don't pair me like that. Don't confess that over me. You know what? You need to own up to who you are. David doesn't say, search me, oh God, don't tell me the things that I don't really want to know, and let's just sweep that under the rug, and are we good? No. He says, search me, because you know me. I'm trying to not say you get me, because the controversial commercial, but you know what? He knows me, and he does get me. He knows He knows what I think. 
He knows why I think it. Search that part of me, God. And if there's anything wicked, anything that is contrary to what you say is good, anything that goes against the fruit of the Spirit, anything that goes against the ways you tell me to live, oh, this is big. Lead me away from it and to you. Lead me into the way of everlasting. See, if we go back to the old Bible story of Lot, he was led that he wanted to put his tent and his family right next to Sodom and Gomorrah and all the evil. And his family was destroyed. God wants us to be led. And David was crying out, Lord, lead me into the way of everlasting. Lead me away from my wicked ways, away from my sin, away from my poor choices. Lead me away from it into the ways of everlasting life. It's not just life. I mean, I want to live this life good. Who doesn't want to live this life good? Don't we want to have a good time? Don't we want to laugh? Don't we want to have fun? Don't we want to eat good stuff, wear fun things, buy cute stuff? Not you guys. You're like, oh, this is so cute. But... That's me, okay? I want to enjoy life, but he doesn't just say, lead me so that I have a good life here and I look good and I have nice things. No, he's saying, lead me to the way of everlasting. What really counts is that when I take my last breath because I am numbered, my days are numbered, when I take my last breath, I don't just die. I have everlasting life with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Lead me to everlasting life. It's a heart that says, God, I want you. God, I need you. I want to stand up for righteousness. I want to stand against what is wrong. I want to do it in love, but I want to be bold to say this is the line I'm on. I'm not going over there and I'm not going over there. I'm standing with you. And in order for me to do that, I got to get rid of any wickedness in me. I've got to remain pure. And God, it's not someone else looking in at me. It's not the pastor. It's not my best friend. It's not my mom. It's not my spouse. You know me. You see my heart. So you search me, God. And you bring to me healing and wholeness and salvation and all the things that I have need of so that I can then therefore in return do like Ephesians says and go out and do the good works that you've called me to. Because it's really hard to do good works when you're doing wrong. It's really hard to accept a position. It's really hard for you to go out and preach the gospel when you know you're not living right. Because there's a conviction that says, I'm living like a hypocrite, but I'm trying to tell these people (laughs) how to live. Now, don't get me wrong. We're not perfect. So we got to go out and share the gospel as imperfect people, understanding we serve a perfect God. But if you are living in sin, you're practicing sin, the enemy will use that to keep you.
Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.